Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking a glass of red wine. What are you having, Jenny? I'm drinking a glass of Chardonnay, and on today's episode, we're exploring the infamous Black Dahlia murder. On the morning of January 15, 1947, the body of a nude, mutilated woman was discovered in the Limert Park neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. A mother and her young daughter came upon the body at first thinking it was a mannequin since it was so white. Police arrived on the scene and found no blood anywhere despite the crime's gruesome nature, making it obvious that the body had been moved. The woman's body had been cut in half at the waist and her blood had been drained. She was facing up with her arms above her head and her legs spread apart. Her face had been cut from the corners of her mouth to her ears in a quote-unquote joker-like smile. She had numerous cuts and bruises on her breast and thighs and whole sections of her skin had been removed. Marks on her body suggested the woman had been bound and tortured. She had been scrubbed clean, leaving no physical evidence from the killer. The cuts on the corner of her mouth had been made while she was still alive. An autopsy showed that she had ultimately died from shock and a cerebral hemorrhage on her head, stemming from blows to her face. Neighbors who lived near where the body had been discovered told police they saw a mysterious 1930s black Ford sedan at exactly the same location during the early morning hours of January 15th. Using fingerprints, the murdered woman was identified as 22-year-old Elizabeth Short. The LAPD began circulating flyers about Short in order to get more information. Short was an aspiring actress originally from Boston, Massachusetts. She had four sisters, and in 1930, it was believed that her father died by suicide after losing most of his savings in the 1929 stock market crash. Short suffered from bronchitis and severe asthma attacks and underwent lung surgery at age 15, after which doctors suggested she periodically relocate to a milder climate to prevent further respiratory problems. Short's mother sent her to spend winters in Miami, Florida with family friends for the next three years. She dropped out of school during her sophomore year of high school. In 1942, Short learned that her father had actually faked his own death and was living in California. She reconciled with her father and briefly lived with him in California. In 1943, she was living in Santa Barbara when she was arrested at a bar for underage drinking and was sent back to Florida. While in Florida, Short met Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr., a decorated Army Air Force officer who was training for deployment to Southeast Asia. Short later told friends that Gordon had proposed and she accepted his offer. Gordon's mother, however, refutes these claims. Gordon died in a plane crash on August 10, 1945, less than a week before the end of World War II. In July 1946, Short relocated to Los Angeles to visit Army Air Force Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Fickling, an acquaintance from Florida who was stationed in Long Beach, California. Short spent the last six months of her life in Southern California, mostly in the Los Angeles and San Diego areas. She was working as a waitress and renting a room behind the Florentine Gardens nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard. She was trying to break into acting but was struggling to find parts. Her family and friends described her as beautiful, charming, friendly, and soft-spoken. Leading up to her death, Short was in San Diego, California with her friend Robert Manley. Manley claimed he dropped Short off at the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles on January 9th. Short had told Manley she'd be meeting her sister there. This is widely believed to be the last time she was seen alive, but stories do vary. It's theorized that Short went from the Biltmore Hotel to the nearby Crown Grill Bar. 
After speaking with Short's friends and acquaintances, the LAPD realized that she'd vanished six days before her murder, leading investigators to surmise that Short was kidnapped before she was killed. The media nicknamed Short the Black Dahlia due to her, quote, rumored for sheer black clothes, her dyed black hair, and the film, The Blue Dahlia, which had been released a year before her death. On January 21st, someone claiming to be Short's killer made a phone call to the office of James Richardson, the editor of the LA Examiner, congratulating Richardson on the newspaper's coverage of the case and stated he planned on eventually turning himself in but not before allowing police to pursue him further. On January 24th, nine days after the discovery of Short's body, the Los Angeles Examiner newspaper received a mysterious envelope adorned with newspaper and movie ad clippings. It read, quote, Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers. Here is Dyla's belongings. Letter to follow, end quote. Inside were short social security card, birth certificate, photos, names written on pieces of paper, and an address book that had pages missing and the name Mark Hansen on the cover. Gasoline had been rubbed on the documents to remove fingerprints. Since Smart's body had been cleaned in a similar way, it led police to believe that the envelope was in fact sent by the real killer. The same day the packet was received by the examiner, a handbag and black suede shoes were reported to have been seen on top of a garbage can in an alley a short distance from where Short's body had been discovered. The items were recovered by the police and identified as Short's, but they had also been wiped clean with gasoline, destroying any fingerprints. Other taunting letters were sent to the police and local media. Many were signed with the name, quote-unquote, Black Dahlia, Avenger. Police were also able to find a fingerprint on one of the handwritten letters, but it did not match anyone in the FBI database. Hundreds of people were interviewed by police and later cleared. Police contacted around 75 men listed in Short's address book, but a majority had not known Short for very long and none of them had any useful information. The clean cuts on Short's body led police to believe her killer had surgical experience, so they interviewed 300 USC medical students since the university was not far from the location where Short's body had been found. Again, nothing came from these interviews. Let's get into some notable suspects and theories. The first suspect we'll mention is Leslie Dillon. Leslie Dillon was a 27-year-old bellhop and former mortician's assistant at the time of Short's murder and was named a suspect one year after the murder. He is one of the few men ever listed as a prime suspect by police. Dylan had read a story on the case in an issue of True Detective magazine and shortly after wrote to LAPD psychiatrist Dr. Joseph Paul DeRiver, who featured in the article. After continued correspondence between the two, Dylan declared he believed he knew who the killer was and named acquaintance Jeff Connors as his suspect. Dylan suggested that Jeff Connors may have killed Short as revenge after she threatened to reveal, quote, an affair not considered proper by the average person, end quote, and that she'd been murdered in a motel room. However, DeRiver himself began to believe that Connors didn't exist and Dylan had a split personality. Under one of the personas Dylan had created, he committed the murder and was actually the man police had been looking for, according to DeRiver's theory. 
Along with undercover officers from the gangster squad who were assigned the case, DeRiver set up an unsanctioned meeting with Leslie Dillon, behind the back of the LAPD officers actually investigating the case, under the ruse of going in search of Jeff Connors. During the search, Dillon allegedly revealed several details of the Black Dahlia case that had never been made public. It was soon discovered that Dillon was in San Francisco at the time of the murder. In another revelation, it turned out Jeff Connors was actually a real person. Connors, whose real name was Arthur Lane, lived in L.A. at the time of the murder and had worked at one of Short's known hangouts, which led Dillon to genuinely believe him to be a suspect. He was interviewed by police and not deemed a suspect, however. In another blow to the investigation, Dillon had been interrogated outside of official channels and kept in a room against his will for a week. His illegal detainment was a huge contributing factor in an inquiry into the handling of the entire Black Dahlia murders being ordered before a grand jury in 1949. Dillon later sued the city of Los Angeles for $100,000 but dropped the lawsuit. Dillon has never been charged or tried for the murder. Renewed interest in Leslie Dillon came in 2017 with the release of the book Black Dahlia Red Rose. Arthur Pugh Eatwell theorizes that Dillon was part of a gang that would rob hotels. Elizabeth Short was close to a member of the gang, and that man was Mark Hansen, a nightclub owner. Short knew too much about the robberies and was murdered by Dillon, who was either hired or ordered to kill Short at the Astor Motel, where Dylan often stayed. Eatwell also claims witnesses at the hotel saw a dark-haired woman matching Elizabeth Short's description at the motel and a man who fit Mark Hansen's description. The owners also allegedly found a room covered in blood and fecal matter on January 15, 1947, the day the body of Elizabeth was discovered. Eatwell points out that the location of the dumpster where Short's shoe and purse were found was actually two blocks from where Leslie Dillon lived. Dillon also knew the area where Short's body was found very well. She alleges Dillon used it as a shortcut to get to his home. Eatwell also claimed that Dillon, quote, preserved newspaper clippings about violence against women, end quote, and that Short's friends reportedly identified Dillon as one of her boyfriends. However, there's no hard evidence pointing Dylan to the crime, and like we said, his alibi showed that he was in San Francisco at the time of the murder, although that has been disputed. Buzz Williams, son of an LAPD gangster squad officer, came forward after the book was published saying that his father also felt Dylan was the killer. Mark Hansen is clearly a suspect as well. Hansen is reportedly one of the last people to have spoken to Short. Eatwell describes him as, quote, a wealthy and powerful Hollywood mover and shaker, end quote, with connections to, quote, the fringes of the Los Angeles underworld, end quote. Short has stayed with Hansen for a handful of nights. Antoff, friend and roommate of Short and girlfriend of Hansen, told police Short had rebuffed Hansen's sexual advances, which may have been motive for Hansen to kill Short. Hansen had been questioned by police after Short was identified, but more interest was taken in him when the address book embossed in gold with his name on the front was mailed to the Los Angeles Examiner newspaper. Hansen admitted to knowing Elizabeth, but said he had never been romantically involved with her and had no information about her disappearance. He did say that Elizabeth had stolen the address book from him, although he had never used it himself. Nothing was found to link Mark Hansen to the murder of Elizabeth Short, and he was soon released. According to Eatwell's theory, Hansen had a number of corrupt officers in his pocket, which allowed Dylan and Hansen to get away with murder. Our next suspect is George Knowlton. 
1996, Janice Knowlton released a book titled Daddy Was the Black Dahlia Killer. In it, she accused her father, George Knowlton, of the crime. In 1989, Janice claimed to begin recovering repressed memories of her father's violence. By the end of the year, she remembered Elizabeth Short as a victim of his brutality. Janice claimed her father and Short were having an affair and she was staying in the garage of the family home. She also claimed Short was a prostitute, a rumor that has followed the Black Dahlia case, and would procure young girls to be sold in a child sex trafficking ring. Janice alleged she was sold into sex trafficking by her father when she was just nine years old. One night, Short suffered a miscarriage in the garage and was then murdered by George Knowlton. Her body was cut up in the sink, then when disposing of the body, he took his then 10-year-old daughter along for the ride to act as a cover. According to Janice, he first tried dumping the body in the ocean, but when it failed to sink, he instead dumped the body in the vacant lot where it was found. Police were dismissive of Janice's claims and said they had no relation to facts. One officer had said, quote, the things that she is saying are not consistent with the facts of the case, end quote. No evidence has shown that Short was a sex worker and the coroner found no evidence that Short was pregnant at the time of her death. Janice's claims were investigated in 1991 when the grounds around her former home were excavated in search of remains of another victim Janice claimed her father had buried there, but nothing was found. Little is known about George Knowlton himself. He died in an automobile accident in 1962 along with his young son, Kevin. Other relatives have stated he certainly could be aggressive and abusive, but he was not a killer. George Knowlton's name so far has never been mentioned in any reports seen by researchers or released by police in relation to the Black Dahlia case. The final and probably the most well-known suspect is Dr. George Hodell Jr. George Hodell was a wealthy doctor living in Los Angeles who was working at an STD clinic at the time of Elizabeth Short's murder. This job allegedly gave him knowledge and access to the sex lives of many citizens of L.A. The LAPD first became suspicious of him in 1949 when his 14-year-old daughter Tamar accused him of molesting her, allowing friends to take new pictures of her and allowing friends to molest her. George was acquitted of these crimes in December of 1949. At 15, Tamar gave birth to a baby girl. She placed the child for adoption and many believe George Hodel fathered this child, but it has never been confirmed. Since Hodel had been accused of a sex crime and had medical expertise, police added him to their list of potential suspects. Police secretly placed listening devices into Hodel's home and recorded him for 40 days. Amongst the recordings, taking from February 18th to March 27th, 1950, one transcript made of the recording cited the murder of Elizabeth Short. In a telephone discussion with an unknown German man, George Hodel said, quote, Supposing I did kill the black dialer. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. End quote. Sounds of a woman screaming were also recorded. All recordings have since been lost, but transcripts are still available. Hodel was essentially written off as a suspect until 2003 when his son, Steve Hodel, a retired LAPD detective, wrote a book titled Black Dahlia Avenger. In it, Steve Hodel claims his father, George, who died in 1999, murdered Elizabeth Short as well as several others, including Ruth Spaulding, his secretary. 
He theorizes Short was one of his father's patients and that they had dated. He believes his father was motivated by jealousy and that her murder was done as a way for George Hodel to emulate his close friend Man Ray, a surrealist painter from France. Steve believes his father may have been inspired by Man Ray's works Le Amour and Minotaur as they resemble Short's mutilated body. Steve Hodel alleges that he found two photos of who he believes to be Short in his father's possessions. Though a woman in one of the photos has been identified, the second woman has not. Short's family has denied these photos are of Elizabeth and some photographic experts have found inconclusive evidence. George Hodel would have had the medical training needed to make the mutilations to Short's body. Steve produced a handwriting sample from George Hodel that he believes matches the Black Dahlia Avengers letters. A handwriting expert determined that there is a strong likelihood that his father's handwriting matched the script on some of the notes the killer sent to the LAPD, but the results were inconclusive. A car seen at the site of the body fits the description of a car George Hodel owned and drove at the time. In the archives of UCLA, Steve found a folder containing receipts for contracting work on his childhood home. One of the receipts showed a purchase a few days before Short's murder of 10 five-pound bags of concrete, the same size and brand found near Short's body that police believe her killer used to carry her. A number of now-dead officers who originally worked the case had conversations with friends and family saying the department believed the culprit was, quote, a doctor who lived on Franklin Avenue, end quote, where the Hodel family lived at the time of the murder. Steve says he has no idea his father was a suspect during the initial investigation. His father abandoned him at the age of nine, and he does believe his dad molested his half-sister, Tamar. Steve theorizes that his father had knowledge of LAPD corruption, including their ties to prostitution and abortion rings, because of his status and job. In order to protect themselves, the LAPD covered up Hodel's crime. On the recordings from the wiretap, Hodel can allegedly be heard saying, quote, This is the best payoff I've seen between law enforcement agencies. I'd like to get a connection made in the DA's office, end quote. Current investigators and researchers are split on whether George Hodel was the murderer. Janice Knowlton knew Tamar Hodel, and she even mentioned George Hodel's name in a message board post about the case. Some have argued Steve was seeking the same attention Janice received after accusing her own father. Since Steve had a poor relationship with his father, many have questioned if these accusations are a type of revenge. Steve also lost credibility to some when he also accused his father of being the Zodiac Killer. Some detectives and crime authors believe that the same person that committed the Cleveland Torso murders, which took place between 1934 and 1938, also killed Short. Another theory at the time was that Short's murder was linked to the Chicago Lipstick murders. Handwriting found at the crime scene was similar to Black Dahlia. Avenger letters and the victims were also dismembered. Nearly 50 men and women have admitted to the murder, but most of these confessions have been proven to be false. Though the media coverage was intense during the first month or so of the investigation, they quickly lost interest. The original LAPD investigators handling the Black Dahlia case have been accused of mismanaging it and the agency as a whole was accused of corruption. 
1949, a grand jury investigation was launched to address the LAPD's inadequate handling of murder cases and their inability to solve murders of women and children. They examined the efforts of law enforcement and the still inconclusive evidence. A document presented during the investigation said, quote, deplorable conditions indicating corrupt practices and misconduct by some members of the law enforcement agencies in the county, alarming increase in the number of unsolved murders, jurisdictional disputes, and jealousies among law enforcement agencies, end quote. The jury disseminated without indicting a suspect, and the case quickly went cold. Since the initial investigation, a majority of evidence in the Black Dahlia case has gone missing with no explanation. It's believed that the evidence was inadvertently disposed of. This missing evidence includes, but is not limited to, shorts, purse, and shoe that were left near her body, the address book, photos, and personal documents mailed to the LA Examiner, black hair follicles that belong to the suspect, and the 12 handwritten notes from the Black Dahlia Avenger. Evidence related to George Hodel has also disappeared. According to Steve Hodel, the evidence was last signed out by LAPD criminalist Ray Pinker back in the 1950s and was never returned or seen since then. Many also blame the media's interference in the investigation as a reason for it being unsolved. Officers and detectives stated that reporters were walking over evidence at the crime scene and withholding information that they received from calls to their offices. At one point, reporters were in an LAPD station and were freely answering phones that could have been tips for the investigation. It's also been claimed that local journalists and officers were freely divulging information with one another to essentially help the other out. The Black Dahlia murder is one of the most famous unsolved murders in the world. The brutality of the crime has ensured its lasting legacy and will continue to fascinate people. Over the years, new evidence has been found, but many still believe that it is a murder that will never be solved. Del, what are your thoughts on the case and who do you think murdered Elizabeth Short? So I do believe that George Hodel murdered Elizabeth Short. I think that the transcripts in which he says basically jokingly that he got away with it and that he was able to use his connections with law enforcement to cover up his crimes to me is the biggest piece of evidence, especially since a lot of the physical evidence was wiped away by the killer. I do think that corruption played a big part in why this is unsolved. I mean, we've seen some minor improvements with the LAPD, but still when it comes to solving cases, even in modern times, they haven't improved that much. I don't believe any of the rumors that Elizabeth Short was a prostitute or had an abortion, anything like that. I think that that's a common trope that is put on women that have traveled to LA for a better life and to gain stardom. But I think that people are using that as a way to, as we talked about on the last case, just victim blame and, you know, try to find a way that Short is responsible for her own murder. I would agree that I'm leaning more towards George Hodel, especially because of those recordings. Why would someone just say that if they're innocent? The sighting of someone that had a similar car to him is interesting too. And the concrete bags. I mean, I don't know how many concrete pourers or companies were in LA at the time, but it seems like a big coincidence that it's the same kind and he purchased them like not long before. And he did have the medical knowledge and he seemed kind of like 
a pervert, for lack of a better word, based off accusations. Not even just his daughter accusing him of molesting her. She also said he would throw like wild sex parties. And you know, if you're into maybe like some kinkier things, I wouldn't consider you a pervert. But all of this added up. I think he had some sexual issues i guess i'd say i'm really interested in eatwell's theories she brings a lot of interesting points up about leslie dylan people have said that he didn't have medical experience but if he was a mortician's assistant i think he would have had some type of knowledge i don't know if it would have been enough to make clean cuts on elizabeth short's body but he probably would have had the knowledge on how to really clean the body and the evidence. I also think it's really interesting that he was familiar with the area where um, some evidence was found and where her body was found. I know she has the theory of Hansen and Dylan working together. I don't really know if Mark Hansen was involved, especially because if he was involved, would he really send evidence with his own name on it? That seems a little much to me. I mean, he would be taunting the police, but there isn't really evidence to show like he was like attention seeking with Leslie Dillon. Maybe he would be more inclined to like get some attention and like F with the police some more because he did correspond with a psychiatrist from their team. And if he really was collecting newspaper clippings about violent crimes against women, maybe there would also be like some mental health issues that would make him, you know, like want some attention from the police and mess with them. I guess the biggest thing with Dylan to me though, is if he really was seen in San Francisco, he's automatically ruled out. I don't really know why there's disputes about this alibi, but I had read a few times that there were some people said that they didn't agree with that. I know Steve Hodel did accuse his dad of being the Zodiac killer, which I do think does hurt his case. I don't know his exact reasoning for that and I would like to look into that but I think it also goes to show how like despicable he viewed his father and how you know violent he thinks he could be. I mean he accused him of several people's murders. I don't know I also don't think it'll be solved but George Hodel does seem like a, a good suspect to me. The case of Black Dahlia has had major impact on true crime media and American culture. Newspapers featuring the case allegedly sold more copies than the bombing of the Pearl Harbor did. Crime was on the rise in LA at the time of Short's murder, and the press used her death as a cautionary tale for young women moving to Los Angeles from across the country. The press would later shift their narrative of Short from an innocent victim to a vamp that had been seen with 25 different men in the two months before her death. They also shared details of her underage drinking arrest. In February of 1947, California became the first state to require a registration process for convicted sex offenders and legislation that Black Dahlia was a result of the killings. Time magazine named Black Dahlia murder as one of the top 10 unsolved crimes. The murder of Elizabeth Short has influenced dozens of books. Some were fictionalized tales of her life and others non-fiction works whose authors aim to solve the case. A variety of made-for-TV movies, feature films, news specials, and TV series were inspired by the case, including Brian De Palma's 2006 film adaptation of James Elroy's novel The Black Dahlia. Elizabeth Short was a character in two episodes of American Horror Story, and in 2019, the TV series Into the Night was released, and that focused more on George Hodel's life and the life of the daughter that Tamar Hodel had placed for adoption. 
There's even a death metal band named the Black Dahlia Murder, and the, I believe, lead singer of that just died recently. Del, do you have any thoughts on why this case in particular has been so everlasting and popular? So I think that this case has so many elements that are really interesting to the human mind. You have the fact that it's unsolved. You have the fact that it features something that is pretty common in a lot of media, which is someone moving across the country to pursue their dreams in Hollywood. And then, of course, the cautionary tale aspect. I think when thinking of this case, people are also fascinated by just the way her body was treated. Because that is a pretty outlandish way. You had the Joker smile, which is something that people tend to remember about this case as well. And what it all meant. Why was the Joker smile carved into her face while she was still alive? Why was her body drained? Why was it left there in that certain position? Because of those questions probably will never have answers, people are probably going to be forever fascinated with this case. What are your thoughts on it? I definitely agree with everything that you said. I think there's also an element of it being like such a classic old Hollywood kind of crime and murder. It was so close to the LA Hollywood area. Elizabeth Short herself wanted to be an actress. The brutality, like you said, is just appalling especially at that time i can't even imagine what that poor woman had to deal with in the moments leading up to her death it was depraved that's really you know enticing and exciting unfortunately for people to read about there's also like a sexual element to the crime i had read somewhere and i don't know if this is 100 certain but they had tested to see if elizabeth short had been raped there was no evidence of fluid but there were some things to show that she had been sexually assaulted likely uh, or raped leading up to her death like you had said there's rumors of her being a sex worker and there has been no evidence to show that at all these two people that we had mentioned at least george hodell worked at an std clinic he was possibly having like wild sex parties with people in the la community and leslie dillon if he was cutting out newspaper clippings about violence against women, I'm sure there was a sexual nature in that as well. All of the misconceptions really do lead to like this being not bigger than what it is, but it kind of adds to the legend status. There were also some accusations that Elizabeth Short's genitalia was like not fully formed, which isn't true. There had been fecal matter found in her stomach. So a lot of people thought she had like been force fed shit I guess prior to her death but that's not true it was more likely that it was found in her stomach because of the way she was cut which makes sense to me there's all these other elements that really add to the brutality it's almost like an urban legend it's these elements that make it more interesting and more fascinating and more like a horror movie than what the truth really is which is still horrifying it's kind of weird that people sometimes like want more horror than what actually is a horrible thing that happened. That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think about the murder of Elizabeth Short. You can read more about this case and how to support us in the links below. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. As always, stay safe.